When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Think of us as the 10-metre synchronised divers of the podcasting <laughs> world. Um, I'm, not, I'm not proud of saying this, Kieran, but Ali's actually hidden a TV remote because she got fed up with me constantly rewinding the diving, saying, hang on a second, I only counted three twists. That was, <laughs> There's only half a tuck then. I still don't know what a tuck is, but that doesn't stop me being a fully professional Olympic diving pub judge now. Um, it, 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 the Olympics are great, Kieran. They've unexpectedly turned into a brilliant celebration of sport, haven't they? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I found myself on uh, Tuesday morning screaming at the television uh, in respect of the taekwondo. And, and when... Yeah. When we, you know, when our medalist uh, lost in the last second, and they went back to the studio, it, it was it was like the, the country was in mourning, and and it's this that fascinating love of these people who make incredible sacrifices and make you so proud of your country because they are part of it, and 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 that sense of kinship, yeah, it, it's it's been it's been fantastic, and it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's relit my relit my fires. Yeah, it's also that brilliant thing where you 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 want your your country's athletes, gymnasts, cyclists, to win, but also you you really don't mind when they don't because everybody else has got a brilliant story as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's it, and actually the lack of crowd, I I've, it hasn't affected it as much as I thought, and I've I've been getting I've been getting really emotional. Tom Daly's I met Tom Daly a couple of times when he was a youngster with his dad who was the nicest boat you could meet. So I was, I was, all these backstories are really affecting me. Um, now, Kieran, unfortunately, Tracy Crouch uh, couldn't join us this week because it turns out MPs are quite busy people. Yes. Uh, but she definitely <laughs> will be on in two weeks' time. So what we plan to do between now and then is have a look at some of her recommendations following that fan-led review and then go into details when we chat. And that will also give people, uh, listeners, uh, a chance to send in some questions, basically, if we have a look at some of the things that she plans to recommend. But in the meantime, Kim, we have some news. And that that our light-hearted story about massive US investment in Brazilian football has turned into, um, well, it's all kicking off in Brazil, Kieran. It is. Um, one of our Brazilian listeners, uh, Yao, um, got in contact with me um, and to say, well, if we thought that, yeah, we, we, we were, we were, taking it fairly flippantly by saying that uh, Brazilian midweek fixtures 
could only take place after nine o'clock because it it disrupted the soap operas who wanted and, and the the TV companies who wanted their soap to go out earlier. Um, well, it turns out that Brazilian football had its own version of a soap opera when the uh, the heads the, the the presidents of the the individual clubs met up on Zoom, and it turns out um, that they they don't like each other. Uh, <laughs> now, whereas we know that, that Mel Morris and Steve Gibson of, of Derby County and Middlesbrough, you wouldn't you wouldn't put those two in a in a, in a pantomime horse together. You know, they th- those two you know, like to snipe, and, and that's about as far as it goes. You know, a, a few bitchy comments in the press. And um, can, sorry, but, Kieran, can, can I can I just stop you there, Kieran? I can't let that moment pass because. I was expecting small room, dark alley, but suddenly pantomime horse is your analogy for enclosed space. <laughs> there, are, there are many, many people I wouldn't recommend putting in a pantomime horse together again, but if Mel Morris and Steve Gibson would like to do that for charity, I'm sure we could raise quite a lot of money. I think, I think we would. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> there'd, yes. be a mass, there'd be a massive argument as to who's going to be the arse in, though, wouldn't there? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry to interrupt you, Kieran. Carry on, because this this Brazilian story is is actually more complex than we believed, isn't it? Well, yes. Uh, it, it turns out that uh, 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 Guillaume uh, Bellentini, uh, the president of EC Bahia, um, said that he wasn't happy about having the meeting on Zoom because wanted to have a more nuanced discussion. But uh, Mario Petroglia, the club, uh, the president of Club Atletico said that um, that wouldn't be very successful because uh, if he got anywhere near Bellantini, he'd, uh, he'd smack him in the face and he'd, uh, he'd invite him outside uh, into the car park. Uh, you know, as, 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 yeah, we've got memories of Sunday football whereby you know, if somebody went through you, you'd, uh, you'd say, well, we don't, want to, we don't want to get fined by the referee or a red card, so I'll sort you out afterwards. Um, so it was. Uh, it sounded like it absolutely kicked off in true Brazilian style, um, and uh, yeah, because Brazilian domestic football doesn't really have any stars left because they all go straight away to Europe. We, we're now having to rely on the club president to provide entertainment uh, for the fans over there by uh, by you know, threatening to do fifteen rounds with each other. Is this because the the club presidents can't agree on what to do about this uh, proposed uh, takeover of Brazilian football by this US investment company? Yes, yes. It, ultimately, um, as as is always the, the case with these things, and, and we've seen it with with the Premier League because the the big six clubs used to go off into their own little huddle and and sort of smirk at the the owners of the other clubs, say, "Yeah, well, yeah we, we've got all the power." Um, this is this, this is all to do with uh, who gets what uh, in terms of the distribution of monies, um, and uh, yeah, money as as, we, as we've discovered uh, over the course yeah. of this show is the root of of all evil. But can and they can be very entertaining at the same time. Mm. Um, two things, Kieran. I played Sunday football on and off for eleven years. Not once did I offer anybody into a car park or well, you don't drive. Well that, well, that doesn't stop me using car parks, Kieran, does it? So, so. That, that wasn't the reason I didn't end up offering somebody out into a car park. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't walk to these games. I was got a, somebody had a car. It's, it's more that I was a you See, your rough upbringing has led to you living on a vineyard in in Sussex. And you know, you, the man who's offered people out in car parks is living high on the hog on a vineyard. 
and the peaceful man is living in Norbury. That's all I'm saying. And secondly, Kieran, we've we've talked about Brazil for two stories, two two programs running, and not once did you mention Brazilians. I'm actually quite emotional. That's a great sign that you are either you're growing up or the Baroness told you that she would be very cross if she launched it to a stream. Well, it, it, this, this is part of my silent protest against Manscaped since they ditched us. <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to give the oxygen of publicity, Kevin. That's why. After all this time, Kieran, you, I still find levels in you that I didn't know existed. Um, uh, Premier League fans, uh, as was highly publicised, Premier League fans who have not been fully vaccinated could be barred from attending matches from October. Now, if, if this is extended to League One and League Two clubs, Kieran, that could severely hit matchday income, couldn't it? It, it could. Um, this is this is something which is being talked about at present. So, mm. yeah, there, there's no there, there's no uh, definitive uh, approach being taken, but. The government is uncomfortable about the level of take-up in terms of vaccination, especially amongst younger people. So um, if I think the the Premier League effectively will need some form of licensing or some form of approval for events for which have more than 20,000 people attending. So that could be through the route of a vaccination passport um, and uh, they, they could, if, uh, if if there's events taking place with less than 20,000 people, there again could be some form of encouragement. My my concern there, this is, that's Finley uh, walking his way through the dog, and oh, he's got a wonky job. Um, um, my, my concern here I, is... I, I, should we explain that to first-time listeners, or we can let them... <laughs> We can uh, they can Google it. They can Google yeah, it. They can, yeah, they can Google it. Yeah. Um, I un- I understand the wish to incentivize more people to take up the vaccination. Yeah, I'm double jab. You're double jabbed. I think yeah, everybody yep. I know is doing so. Um, but uh, how would this be policed? Um, given that uh, I I used the my NHS app last night to to get my uh, vaccination passport. And then it says this is valid for 28 days. It's a QR code. This can be read um, at grounds. So what you would now have to do is that more and more clubs are uh, providing their season tickets via an app. And if you're going to get your vaccination passport via an app as well, you know, what happens if your phone fails the the Wi-Fi at football clubs, yeah. I think, is can best be described at patchy, yeah. veering to non-existent. Um, so, you know, if you have to try to download something, you can't get a signal. Um, and people get a bit testy, don't they, when, when they're delayed getting into a football ground. So um, I, I think this has to be, if it's going to be introduced, then um, we've got to be cautious about how it's done. Um, you can understand the incentives from the government's point of view. The Premier League clubs are desperate to um, have as many people attending as possible. So I think they, they are more than happy to be compliant. Um, you know, I, I crunched the numbers the other day. Premier League clubs have lost over £1,200 million pounds, uh, in 2019-20. So heaven knows what last season is going to be like. Um but it's 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 not a cure-all because the technology isn't necessarily as good as people think it is. And what happens if you're trying to stick your phone 
underneath some reader. The reader's not picking it up and there's somebody behind you getting a bit arsy. So you say something to him, he says something to you and we're back to car parks again, aren't we? So, you know, I'm, I'm just conscious. Yeah, you've only got to look to see what happened at Wembley where yeah, yeah. If, if you do not have good systems in place, um, you end up with uh, things getting very messy. Well, also, football, as we know, is a is a hotbed of conspiracy theories. And already several people have, have said that they attended friendlies in the past few days at various levels. And, of course, um, the club websites concerned are all encouraging people to get to the ground much earlier because of yeah. you know queuing time, COVID protocols, et cetera, et cetera. So why not, um, why not make your way to the bar? Or the executive lounge, or the fan park. Uh, you know, so why not? In, in other words, why not have an extra two hours at the club drinking our beer rather than leaving things late in the pub drinking their beer? So um, uh, that's that's a cynical interpretation. But again, you, yeah. you kind of you kind of wouldn't put it past some of the top clubs in the Premier League to try and exploit that by getting people in earlier. It's also it's it's a, it's a strange one to use football as a blackmail tool i mean it's it's not even from a safety point of view it's not even we want people to be certain that they're safe going into football games it's just like a a sledgehammer way to incentivize young people to do it and it's you you kind of worry that there's going to be three generations of a family attending a match as they have done for for years and the old one's going to be fine and the young one's going to be fine because they don't have to be vaccinated but the the, but dad or mum in the middle who may not yet have a double jab for various reasons can't go to the game, so it's a it's a strange one. But I mean, it, it would be bad news for League One and League Two, though, wouldn't it? If 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 because it's going to put off casual fans anyway. Surely, if, even the very idea that you think, oh God, I've got to show my COVID passport just because I fancy going to see Bradford versus whoever it is today. Yes, yeah, and it, it, you know, you're, you're, as you said at the start of, of this particular story, um, the the League One and League Two clubs are far more reliant upon matchday income. It can be you know forty five, fifty percent of total money coming in. You know, we, we did extremely well to get through twenty 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 one without losing a club, with the yeah. exception of Macclesfield. Yeah, and Macclesfield was nothing to do with COVID. Um, so uh, that that doesn't guarantee that we will have a, an equally successful 2021 22 mm. because i think the goodwill of fans has also sort of starting to run out um in terms of uh you know just how how far they're willing to to give up some of you know their money sacrifice last season's season ticket and so on um so i think they will be expecting some form of return and um you know whilst it's a view that i don't share some people do have an objection to the vaccine from a, um, you know, from a, a government uh, interference point of view in their lives. And you know, personally, I, I just want to say, I, I want to save my life and I want to save others. Um, but uh, you know, that that's the nature of living in a democracy that, that some people, um, and uh, you know, they, they won't be wearing the club kit because they'll be wearing tinfoil, of course, when they attend the matches or try to attend the matches. Um, feel feel that it's an infringement of their civil liberties. Yeah, well, if there, yeah, if if there are any fans who have refused to be vaccinated because the government are putting a mini computer into their bloodstream, then they need a separate turnstile that leads uh, <laughs> somewhere other than the ground. Yes. Basically, um, the Premier League and the EFL clubs, um, on a similar note, are going to put vaccine clauses in players' contracts. It seems. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is again. It's it's a discussion at present. 
Um, the take-up uh, at some clubs amongst players, especially the younger players and apprentices, has been very low. Um, the, I think the clubs would rather players get double-jabbed because we have seen uh, COVID protocols being breached. We've seen uh, you know, matches being called off. Uh, I think Arsenal and Everton were due to play in a tournament in Florida. Yeah. And um, Arsenal pulled out at the last minute. I think Milan pulled out at the last minute. And I believe Everton, I, 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 they were either on the aircraft or about to board the aircraft when, when all of this took place. So it, it all got, uh, again, it, it got a bit, uh, a bit embarrassing and, and things didn't go ahead. So, um, again, this comes back to where are we in October? Um, and the government is certainly keen on players and backroom staff to be uh, double jabbed because that's going to reduce the spread uh, amongst players. How's this going to be enforced? Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult. In terms of the position of the PFA, um, they are between a rock and a hard place. You know, a, they've got to represent their members. And if, the, if one of their members says, well, I don't feel comfortable about it, you know, given given the nature of my age group, um, you know, it, it's it's a relatively mild complaint. Yeah. There has been one player, I think, who had a reaction. People are using that as, as an example. Now, whether that was due to COVID, genuinely, we're, we're not certain. Um, at the same time, the PFA wants to... Uh, you know, ensure that matches take place because it's in the interest of their members. Um, so there has been talk about new clauses, sorry, new contracts. I think they'll they'll find it very difficult to introduce these into existing clauses. You know, we, we saw the PFA uh, with our friend Nick DiMarco very successfully defend uh, the the attempt to impose a wage cap uh, on players last season. But uh, going forwards, it, it could be something that would be uh, part of. Uh, a club's contract, which they would offer to players. Yes, I, I find it fascinating that there are players uh, who won't be vaccinated. As you'd think the clubs would, well, they can't force them, but you know, clubs can certainly force players not to drink copious amounts of alcohol during the week or, or endanger their lives by parachuting. So it's interesting that there are players who feel strongly enough about it to jeopardise their career at a club not to do it. But um, let's just look forward to the day when we we have a pod that we don't have to mention COVID again. Yeah. Um, and here's a story I didn't think we'd be mentioning again, but it's, it, it's come back. Uh, three of Britain's most senior judges have ruled that Manchester City's secret legal battle with the Premier League could be made public. Can you remind us of the background to this story, Kieran? Yes, um, people are aware that Manchester City were charged by UEFA um, in respect of some of their sponsorship income. And the, the allegations, and this was part of sort of the, the Football Leaks project, the allegation was that uh, Manchester City were effectively disguising sponsorship income. Um, and that the sponsors were being reimbursed by the club owner. So let's say that City had a £60 million a year deal with uh, Etihad Airways, um, and the allegation is that City, uh, that Etihad Airways were getting £50 million of this back through the, uh, through the club owner, uh, but this allowed City to comply with financial fair play. Now, as far as UEFA were concerned, as, as, as we were aware with what happened last year, City were initially given a two-year ban, but on appeal, they successfully 
overturned that um, and instead they were just given a just a 10 million euro uh, fine for not complying particularly well with UEFA's request for information. It turns out that in parallel to this, uh, the Premier League have been investigating Manchester City and uh, its compliance with financial fair play. And uh, this started in December 2018. Um, and at times, the Premier League have requested documents from City. City have refused. The Premier League changed its constitution, so they had to submit those documents. Um, and this is all to do with uh, the, 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 the belief amongst some, um, and there is, at, at, yes, at present, there is no proof either way, uh, that Manchester City's commercial incomes have been uh, overstated. Um, and this has also been taking place in various courts. Now, Manchester City do not want this publicised as we go through step by step. But it also turns out that the Premier League don't particularly want this publicised as well. You know, if, if you if you take a look at the Premier League website, there's nothing coming up in terms of mm. uh, the 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 proceedings and, and the progress. Um, but a, a a judge rightly said, um, you know, given that this started in December 2018, well, since that, Manchester City have won the Premier League twice. They've appeared in the Champions League final. They've they won other trophies as well. Um, and effectively saying, stop dragging this out. Um, uh, she also accused the, the Premier League of wanting to uh, have its cake and eat it in the sense that it's uh, it's it's told other clubs that this uh, these proceedings are taking place, but it's not telling the general public. So it, it's being selective. It's it's saying, you know, we will prosecute you um, to try to to put clubs under pressure. And, and then, of course, we've got the the Newcastle United situation yeah. because uh, the owner of Newcastle United, Mike Ashley, he wants his dispute, uh, of which there are there are two. Uh, uh, taking place at present with the Premier League to be taking place in the public domain. Um, and yet uh, the Premier League uh, are, seem to be very keen on things to be private when it suits them and to leak information when it suits them as well. So if, if this ruling goes against Man City, what are the possible financial ramifications then? Well, it, it could be it could be very weird. It could be that... If the the Premier League conclude and and they they are going through an arbitration process, you know, arbitration is is cheaper and quicker than yeah. uh, court case. Yeah, we've established that. Um, if, if it turns out they they could be subject to fines, if they exceed the financial fair play limit, um, they could be subject to a points deduction. But but the the crazy thing is that under the Premier League rules, you're allowed to lose. Um, 105 million pounds over the three-year assessment period compared to 30 million euro. So we, we could end up in, in, a, in a ludicrous situation where si the, the Premier League uh, arbitration panel concludes that Manchester City have been in breach of the rules. They then recalculate the numbers and it works out that, you know, that City have, City's losses are, are 90 million pounds over three years. Therefore, they're under the statute in terms for which... Uh, uh, other punishment applies, um, and they just get a finger wagging. So uh, this this will run and run. Um, possessors of silver tongues are uh, are not going short. Yeah, if you think about mm. this, has taken two and a half years. 
if, if you take a look at the list of people that that, Man- that Manchester City employ as their legal advisors, you know, we are talking the golden circle um, in terms of legal representation. So uh, it, it's it's going to be very costly, regardless of what happens. It's it's just been dragging on far too long, um, and nobody's exactly sure what ultimately is is the objective of the Premier League in all of this, or are they just reacting to pressure from other clubs, as is the viewpoint taken by Mike Ashley and also by many Newcastle fans, is that the the, the big six don't want uh, further competition. Uh, they don't want Newcastle to to make it a big seven, and mm. and if they can uh, if if they can also knock Manchester City out of contention for certain things as well, they'd only be too delighted to do so because it increases the chances of other clubs uh, being uh, given a place for the Champions League. Mm. Uh, to a team that's just left the Premier League and Fulham's parent company, Cougar Hold Co, has written off 151 million pounds of loans by converting them into shares. And I noticed you tweeted um, late last night or this morning about the amount of money that Fulham's parent company have put into the club recently. Yes. Uh, I mean, for, for people not familiar with the uh, the Fulham story, Sh- Shahid Khan, who's owner of the, is it the Jacksonville Jaguars? He's, he's very successful in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, he acquired uh, Fulham in July 2013. And since then, he has put in four hundred and ten million pounds. Yeah, that is, wow. and, and and he's now said most of that is in the form of loans, and for reasons which I can't quite work out, he's he's now said right. Well, some of that I'm going to effectively write off and and convert those into shares. Um, so one hundred and fifty million pounds. Yeah, that's that that will buy a round or two in the Porson's arms, wouldn't it, Kevin? You know, we, yeah, we, and yet we we. What, what concerns me is that I've now got into the habit of talking about millions and tens of millions of hundreds of millions of pounds and it and, I, and it doesn't matter anymore they're just they just become meaningless numbers yeah um and, and we all just shrug them off uh, and I think it is uh, it is indicative of football as an industry has hugely expanded and we've become fatigued to the sums involved because uh you know, Berry did not go bust on the back of owing four hundred and ten million pounds. Um, you know, Macclesfield didn't go bust. We, we were talking small sums of money, uh, relatively. Yeah, you know, we took you know hundreds of thousands. And, you know, and again, I'm now talking about hundreds of thousands of pounds as being a small sum of money. I think, yeah. I think football is in danger of losing all sense of scale when it comes to the finances. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. 
Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Mm. It would buy a lot of drinks in the Porson's Arms, Kieran, and disappointingly, you can now buy those drinks with a card, um, which you couldn't do for 20 years. It's always one of the joys of drinking in the Porson's Arms when some flash kit would order a big round and then go to pay with it by card, and little John behind the bar would say, it's cash only, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and the nearest cash point is a 17-minute walk away, which is... <laughs> We used to we used to time it. We used to time how long it took a stranger to leave the bar, come back with cash. <laughs> now, um, my my mate Scratch Card, he would yeah. use that in his favour because ah. he he is a dodger when right. it comes to buying his round, ah. and uh, it, he would be going, oh oh. I, I was going to buy, yeah. So he'd make a, he, he's the type of guy who would make a big, like, yeah, yeah, I will get around this week, guys, and then go to, oh, I've only got my card. Somebody else. <laughs> so, so, yeah, have, have you got Dodgers amongst your mates, or do they all, they all just know the rules? Oh, no, my mates all just know. They're gentlemen when it comes to buying around, Kieran. Uh, well, so Roy's moved to Wales. Not, <laughs> yeah, not, that he's, not that he's been hounded out or anything for not buying around. round. It's, it's those classic football things. Roy, I don't think I ever remember Roy missing a buying around in my life, but once you get a reputation, you know, back in oh, yeah. back in 1981, he obviously wasn't first to the bar once, and that's it. <laughs> that's his reputation. Right, Roy's buying a drink. Get a photograph. Um, <laughs> and, and, and sport. speaking of Paulson's Arms, Kieran, it's just down the road from uh, possibly the world's second oldest uh, football club, Crystal Palace, whose latest figures are out, um, which for me is not as exciting as their rather natty third kit, uh, which is a celebration of being possibly the world's second oldest football club. But yes, we were the we were the last bar Newcastle to release our figures, were we not, for the latest? Yes, yeah. And part of the reason for that was that Palace uh, did extend their year end to the 31st of July so that they hadn't actually broken any rules um but it was it was a tough year for palace as it was for all clubs yeah um so so palace lost 60 million pounds in 2019-20 and remember you've only got the impact of covid on five home matches yeah um uh but you know look looking at the, the state of palace i think palace were in the bottom six when it comes to match day income, so you can see why Steve Parrish is keen to expand the ground uh, and, and also to to increase the proportion of uh, of seats which are sold to uh, the you know the hospitality division because you know, whether we like them or not, and I know we sneer at them, they they do generate uh, large amounts of money. I, I think the the thing which possibly worried me the most was that that for every £100 of revenue that was being generated by Palace, £93 of that was going out in wages. Now, right. again, I suspect the club's done things to address that this summer because I believe that is it 11 players were out of contract. 
Yes, um, we've, and- we've we've mass- massively reduced our our wage bill, hugely reduced. Um, yeah, which will enable us or has helped us to bring in a couple of younger players. But yeah, but our wage bill was. Uh, ludicrous and it has been uh people like Sacco and Connor Wickham going who were on eye-watering amounts of money um has really helped Gary Cahill as well was on a very big wage uh so yes our wage bill has been reduced significantly yeah because looking at these numbers the the average wage paid at Palace based on my calculations was just shy of 57 grand a week and Mm. You know, that's that's more than Villa, Bournemouth, certainly more than us at Brighton, Burnley. Nor, you know, they were uh, Palace were probably punching above their weight in terms of wages, and mm. you know, your you know, it, it's it, it's your club, and uh, you will probably know some of those players. In your opinion, weren't weren't necessarily delivering uh, the uh, the level of entertainment that those wages were connected to. Yes, and I, I hope you weren't implying, Kieran, that our uh, unexpected um, reveal that we could be the world's second oldest football club is not related to trying to get new people into the grounds, into those new hospitality suites, Kieran. No, no, not at all. No, no absolutely not. Well, I think, I think you're wrong, because I think it probably is. <laughs> um, so, Kieran, you were part of uh, former sports minister Tracy Crouch's fan-led review into the state of football, um, a sport which she says is facing an existential crisis. Before we have a look at some of the things in her interim report, what was your role in the in the in the fan led review? What did they want to talk to you about specifically? Presumably, yeah, obviously finance, but what specific areas of football finance? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I was one of of many many groups who who did present. Uh, there were you know people from uh, fan groups, people from the the finance profession, uh, even some German fans. Uh, oh, because okay. the you know, the fifty plus one rule, yeah, uh, just to sort of compare British fan culture to to English fan culture. I mean, the, the questions that that I was asked, and, and and it was it was a pretty broad panel. You know, there were people from football support association, there were people from the football industry itself. Um, was mainly to do with uh, the the unequal distribution of money within the game. Um, both, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I've always been concerned about the cliff edges yeah uh between uh between divisions yeah between the premier league and and the championship but also between the championship and uh league one and and league two and the national league um but also within divisions um you know is is it is it in the long-term interests of uh football for there to be such huge gaps between the clubs at the top and the bottom you know again Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea—huge global brands. They deserve, uh, you know, they deserve a lot of the money that's coming their way. But um, it, it has created this uh, this gap. You know, if you take a look at the Premier League table in its uh, its very first season and look to see where Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, and Manchester City finished, they yeah. they were not they were not towards the top. Yeah. Yeah, they they were not competing for trophies. So again, it's it's something that this concept of the big four or the big six has come into day to day talk. Well, well, why should it be that way? So um, I, I did an analysis of uh, where the money has come from. Um, also, put some suggestions as to how uh, football could be 
distributed in in a different way. You know, perhaps we could move back to the the system of um, some form of sharing uh, to a greater extent of, of you know, gate receipts. Uh, you know, the EFL has said that they want twenty five percent of the Premier League TV money. Well. You know, could gate receipts be split seventy five twenty five, for example? Yeah, would would that help? Um, could could we have a levy on transfers? And um, one thing which we did sort of raise eyebrows because uh, it, it's you could accuse me of being populist here. Um, the 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 biggest uh, the biggest success in in Premier League history has not been football; it's been the gambling industry. Um, you know, why can't we have? A relationship between the gambling industry and football, similar to the gambling industry and the horse racing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps you know a a small levy, uh, a, a a levy of half a percent on football bets, uh, just from the big four companies, would would raise uh, a huge amount of money. So it wouldn't put people off betting. Um, it would still allow the betting companies themselves to make profits, but at present, the uh, you know I'm 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 never in favour of prohibition of anything. I'm, you know, I'm a pretty pretty liberal guy in, in most of my outlook on life, but getting getting it right on the dial, I think, is something. Mm. So so that that was sort of the the type of thing I was looking at, and you know, I, let, let's be honest, I'm I am a dweeb uh, when it comes to numbers. So a, a lot of the you know, a lot of the questions were, uh, you know how much money is being spent on X, Y, and Z in terms of transfers, um, in terms of wages, in terms of other overheads, in terms of tax. Um, so you know, I, I was just there to uh, sort of be a, a repository of uh, unusual statistics. Mm. That should be the tattoo you get, Kieran, just a repository <laughs> of unusual statistics. Also, I've just had an idea. What you should start doing is betting on fights in car parks. <laughs> yes. Really, you're an experienced <laughs> operative here. Um, let, let's have a look at a couple of things because uh, I'd be interested to get the response of our of our listeners to this and hopefully in the form of questions for Tracy. And, of course, gambling is something she feels strongly about because that's the reason she resigned as a minister in the first place, was was in the government's reluctance to limit the amount of money you could lose on fixed odds gambling machines in betting shops. Um, the full review is out in the autumn, but some of her initial proposals are basically mirror what we've been asking for a long time. Um, and she starts with an acknowledgement, um, and I quote here, that football clubs are not ordinary businesses. They play a critical social and civic role. <laughs> Somebody at the door, or is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a van outside. Oh, God. Stop it. Not, not you, Kevin. No, no, Finley. You've, as the Baroness has trained Finley to bark when working class people appear, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, so Tracy was saying that clubs play an important role in their local communities. They need to be protected. Um, and this is what fascinated me. They need to be protected sometimes from their owners. Now, this is a sentiment we 100% endorse, but may not be shared by more traditional business-minded members of the government, uh, I'm guessing. But the first thing that struck me is that she argues very strongly for a new independent regulator to cover finance, corporate governance and ownership. Yeah, and, well, I, th- I think, yeah, if, 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 I'd, if I'd written the report, I would love to have written ex- – I'd just – Love to have written what Tracy had written. I, I, yeah. I think she's she's absolutely uh, nailed the key issues. Um, so having um, 
a, a person, an organization which is responsible for these issues. If you get finance, governance and ownership right, then you get an awful lot of football's problems dealt with. Mm. Because um, to stop the uh, to stop people trying to flip clubs, you know, uh, Leeds, Leeds United spent 16 years outside of the Premier League. Why was that? It's because they went through a succession of owners who just saw it as an opportunity to make a quick buck. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it's not homes under the hammer. It, it's it, we are dealing with. Um, you know, Tracy Crouch said that uh, football clubs are community assets. They are part of heritage. It was the same with Portsmouth. You know, how how did we allow a situation for people to uh, be able to treat football clubs as just another entity? So uh, again, I'm not blowing my own trouble yet. One of the things I brought up was uh, a good faith bond. When you buy a football club. You have to put down a deposit, which is kept presumably by IREF. I think this is the uh, this this is the, the name for the uh, the, the regulator, um, and you don't get that back until let's say twelve months after you've sold the club, um, when you know the regulator can see whether the behaviour of the of the of the owners has been of, of an appropriate standard. So mm. um, yeah, it's it was it's it's very encouraging, um, and I also like the fact that she said. The rest of football should be left to football. You know, yeah. In terms of the uh, the yeah, the day the day to day nonsense which occupies our minds so often and, and fills the column inches. Um, you know, so we, so we don't want uh, yeah, we, we don't want some sort of dictatorship as to how football behave should behave. But those areas which can affect the long term existence and sustainability is is something which she was very keen to address. Yeah, she also suggested potential reform at the FA. I'm slightly annoyed that there's two qualifying words here rather than demanding reform. But she suggested potential reform at the FA, the Football League and the Premier League with at least 50% of the FA board to be independent, non-executive directors. Now, why would that be important? Well, at, at present, um, and she, she certainly said that uh, you know, something which which we have discussed at length in recent uh, episodes of the podcast um, in terms of governance to remove club directors from the board of the EFL um, Mm. and the same at the National League. And and the rationale behind this is that if you are representing a club, if, if you are a club director, your prime focus, your prime responsibility should be to act in the best interests of that football club. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's yeah. If that's what you should be doing, but if you also then go on the board of the EFL, you you will be acting in your self interest when you should be acting on a more broader sphere. So, um, having independent directors who are coming from a non football background who can bring a much broader skill set and knowledge of business, and if football says, well, they don't understand football, yeah, we're perfectly good at running ourselves. Just, just take a look at the losses these clubs are being made you know, when they're allowed to run themselves. So I, I think that that was something which was a really positive step. Um, she also, uh, yeah, th- at one stage, she's, she appeared to be sort of suggesting that the EFL and the National League should have a closer relationship bordering on a merger. Yeah. Um, and I think there's there's positives to be learned there because you know, we've seen 
uh, in terms of the, the National League board, that appears to be a bit uh, erratic, uh, to, to put it mildly. Yeah, we'll look at in detail at a few more proposals next week. But I want to finish this week, Kieran, with my favourite, actually, which is greater protection for club assets, such as badges, locations and colours, through a golden share for supporters that will provide them with veto powers. Now, I can't imagine there'd be many clubs happy to give supporters veto over these matters. How would that work? But we've seen just recently with the argument about who owns Berry's badge, how important these things are to football fans. Your your kit, your nickname, your ground, your your badge, they're all part of your, your history and your community. And it's very good that she recognises that and recognises that fans would love the opportunity to stop new club owners doing what Vincent Tam did at, at Cardiff, for example, and changing the colour of the kit. Yes, well, this 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 should work relatively smoothly um, if, if if it's brought in. And I think it would have to come in uh, either directly from legislation or via the regulator. Um, what you could do is, uh, if we take a look at the constitution of the Premier League, it has... 21 shares and I think we discussed this on Sunday we did, of which yeah. 20 of which one, one club per vote which again you know some people don't seem to think is a good idea which which baffles me um but the the uh the football association has has a golden share which it can sort of use uh in in restrict in restricted circumstances and normally it's it doesn't yeah, normally it is I said you know we, we will let you in the Premier League you just do what the hell you want to do mm. And uh, we will only use our vote if, if, if we feel it's necessary. Now, that may have been, Kevin, if we go back to Project Big Picture, that may have been why the people behind Project Big Picture were willing to give the Football Association a £100 million gift. That, Ooh, yeah. you're, you're, you're cynical this week here. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just saying the two things may have been connected. Um um, but what what you could do is to say that if you are to be a member of the uh, an EFL club or a Premier League club, they the the regulator says you've got to change the constitution of the leagues, and you will have um, a shares which are given to the ordinary owners, and you will have a B share, and the B share is given to the uh, fans representative groups, and the B share can only be used for these specific purposes and it is effectively a power of veto mm. so so it, it could get it could work that way uh, you're absolutely right do, do the clubs want fans interfering no they don't you know they we, we we've seen uh you know following the collapse of super league there was a, a sort of um yeah, we're not bad. We're not as bad guys as you make us out to be. From the likes of John Henry, Stan Kroenke, and and the Glazers, and and then since then things have gone very silent. I fob people off with uh, with crocodile tears, and, and then we can get back to our our, our usual business. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll we'll wait to see uh, there. Um, you know, I, I'm not in favour of the fifty plus one rule of, of Germany coming to the UK. I, I think we're, we're we're too far down the road to to have such a radical change. But this would be an opportunity for uh, for clubs to be held to account in terms of certain elements of decision making um, uh, by by the people that turn in week in week out. 
So you're not in favour of the 50 plus one rule in general, or you just think it's impractical the way English football is organised? Yeah, it, 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 I don't think it would work in English football because you'd have to compensate existing owners for the uh, the control which is being taken away from them. Uh, yeah, it, it, if, if, if we were if we were starting with a blank sheet of paper today and designing football, yes, I'd have it, yeah. um, and, and that's the advantage that they they got in Germany. The DFB did that uh, uh, you know many many years ago, and it's and it's proven to be reasonably successful. But at the same time, you know, we we know who's going to win the Bundesliga every year. Yeah. You know? So you know, yeah, is, is it necessarily uh, an improvement uh, in all areas of football because it, it doesn't encourage people to come in, as we've seen with the likes of Abramovich and Mansour, to be disruptors and challenges to the the existing clubs prior to uh, yeah prior to Abramovich arriving in English football, the Premier League was won by. Manchester United or Arsenal for a very long period of time. Yeah, yeah. You know, is, is that necessarily good? Yeah. Well, we're looking more details of the fan-led review um, next Thursday on our next news pod. In the meantime, on Monday, of course, we have our questions pod. And if you have any questions for that, it's questions at priceoffootball.com. And Kieran, um, you'll be glad to know that one of your <laughs> answers to a question last week has led to an actual invitation to a tear-up in a car park. which is a a, a, a slightly surprising reaction it was in context but um anybody in melbourne melbourne may may like like to know that in the next week or so when all this is over there might be a massive punch up in a car park near you um which is a a good indication of how the questions pod goes sometimes Um, and in the meantime before then i shall hand you over to Mr. Kerry Maguire, for his customary uh, farewell. Uh, well, again, folks, thanks very much for the feedback. Um, we really have been uh, knocked out by by the welcome back that you've had we, you know, uh, and the fact that you missed us when we disappeared for a fortnight. Um, if you can press those uh, follow buttons for Spotify and uh, Apple podcasts, it, it helps us. Uh, in the charts and uh, it helps our credibility when we're trying to get guests on the show um and also when we are when uh, when guy sends out his customary begging letters to potential <laughs> sponsors and also if, if anybody does want to sponsor the show for the forthcoming season uh, just get in contact with us at, uh, at questions at price of football because um you know, since manscaped uh, uh, disappeared we, we've not really had one I, I i think you'll find we have got one kieran oh Remember, we did we did the advert for one. I'm sure they're still sponsoring us. Guy may have to cut this. Yeah, guy may have to cut. Guy may have to cut this bit out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I'm fairly sure we have got. I don't listen to the pod that often, so I don't. (laughs) Um, That's not the high note that we normally end the pod on, is it? (laughs) Again, yeah, another reason why I'm wasting my time clearing that space on the shelf for the BAFTA. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football.